0: Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend
1: doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. To get to some of the positives for Boston in this game, right? And as I mentioned earlier, there were a lot of them. It was a very, very competitive, hard-fought game all the way around. Uh, but as I mentioned previously, Tampa was able to do some things tonight that typically the Bruins, uh, get the upper hand in one of the things I didn't mention, which thankfully you guys just brought up was, um, the third period, like Boston's always dominant in the third period all year, they're going to continue to be so, and I'm not concerned about it at all, but if you're looking at some of the reasons why they lost tonight, that's another thing that Tampa just kind of was better than them at tonight was the third period, and you guys already covered that, so I'm not going to go there. But as far as what the Bruins did well, both of their goals were a thing of beauty. Um, the first goal to tie the game one to one, four and four, it was it was Boston 2022, 2023 Boston Bruins hockey, right? It was it was possession, it was movement without the puck, um, and and Brad Marchand was able to take a, a nice uh, little pass from Clifton. After some good work by Pasternak, and uh, he was able to go go five full on a quick snapshot to tie the game one to one. What did you guys make of that four and four goal? Again, the Bruins controlled play a lot, I thought, the first forty minutes, and and this was after this came on the heels of Taylor Hall getting a goalie interference penalty on Vasilevsky for kind of it was a really like a nothing play. I mean, it was kind of like um, what's his, who was it? Sergachev uh, kind of guided him. Into Vasilevsky, and it was it, it was no harm no foul type thing. I mean, yeah, if you want to call goalie interference? Go for it. That got negated when Circachev just kind of went Paul Bunyan on on Taylor Hall, made it four and four, and then the Bruins um took over, uh, made that count in the aforementioned Martian goal.
0: Yeah, it, it it was sort of a, a puck don't lie moment because I I felt like the Bruins should have had the power play out of that. Like Sir Serge, did way more than Hall. Like the initial collision is. Sergachev knocking Hall into Vasilevsky and like you know, I don't know. Maybe Hall would have made contact anyways, but
2: do you think you can't anything, know that?
0: And and then just like throws it, five cross checks. What
2: do you do you think the fact that Sergachev reacted as if Hall had really like done this himself like led to the penalty being called because he responded as if this was like the worst thing anyone could have done to his goalie and he had nothing to do with it so I almost wonder if how bad Sergachev's response was led to no. them thinking that, that it was more than it was It's like a good question
1: but it's a good question but I saw on the side replay the arm went up right away before Sergachev got in there
0: Okay yeah. true So I don't know, but anyway, it's like I thought if anything, that should have been a Bruins power play. It ends up four and four and um just great puck possession play by the Bruins. Like they change out three of the four guys on the ice within about 10 seconds of that goal and just keep in possession, walking the blue line, uh, and then you end up with the great shot by Marshan to finish it. Um so yeah, that was that was impressive. Uh the second goal that the Bruins got equally impressive in terms of puck movement uh, with the check line, you know, Passenach makes a great dangle to get around a lightning defender. I thought Passenach did that a lot tonight. I think had some great passes really, you know, ends up with only one point, right? I don't think, I don't think he assisted on the first one. Yeah. So one point, um, but could have easily had three or four. Like he was, he was slinging sauce all over the place. Um,
2: slinging sauce and puck yeah. don't lie.
0: And uh, so then, yeah, and then Craigie gets it over to Zaka. So two two pretty goals by the Bruins.
2: And and just a an all around game from Pasternak, where you see that he's not scoring, but he's still impacting the game so like so much, and he's making plays that they didn't score on. But that pass to Lindholm, like that Lindholm. Lindholm ends up going around the net and trying to wrap around after but he's somehow sees Lindholm crashing makes this backhand pass all the way through you know the center of the ice where there's a bunch of defenders and it makes it perfectly where it needs to go and he did it a few times where he just somehow made this pass and it brings us back to something that we talked about before that Pasternak used to see himself in his game as the a playmaker and someone with the vision to set things up, rather than just that, like threat to score, especially like a, on that one-time shot. So he's was a threat in a lot of areas. I think he blocked a shot, and I was like, okay, maybe don't do that because <laughs> maybe you don't want to see him step in front of a slap shot. But um, he was doing all the little things right, uh, and possessing and passing and kind of just showing that his skill set is not just scoring.
1: Yeah, and early on in the second period, the only stretch of play from him I didn't really like was uh, when the Bruins had that extent or well, not extended, but that um that five on four penalty that carried over at the end of the first period. Bruins came up in the second period and just um they weren't crisp. I think yeah, I think I think Pashnak tried to hit somebody up the middle, went for icing or something like that, and then he ended up taking a penalty to negate the power play. But aside from that like thirty second stretch, to your point, Bridget, he was he was all over the ice Uh, on that pass Lindholm was, 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 was beautiful in a game like this, it's a big boy game. And you have guys back there like, um, Chernak and Bogosian and, uh, Hedman and, and guys that, that can, um, can wear down opposing uh, forwards down low. So in a game like this, I really try to see, all right, obviously passionate can, can, you know, do whatever he wants when he has time and space, but you know, is he gonna, how, how's he going to fare in those one-on-one battles and, and, and whatnot and races to lose pucks. And, uh, to my eyes, he, you know, he passed that test with flying colors tonight. Um, I thought that it was interesting. David Krejci, once again, just makes me like eat my own words because I'm because st- there were so many times this game where um, I just thought the Bruins had won too many passes, had, they, had, they gave up opportunities to shoot. And, um, and look, who am I to tell these guys how to play hockey? I mean, somebody like Krejci, you know, he's top 10 in Bruins franchise. Uh, every statistical category besides goal scoring which i think he's just outside the top 10 so the guy knows what he's doing um but sometimes you can't help it the fan in you just kind of wants you know, to yell shoot like you're in the th- 300s at the garden but that said when the bruins tie the game 2-2 it's because he takes that extra second to find zaka and it's right. like you-, you think he has a chance to shoot that puck and he does but he likes to pass it and, and next thing you know it's two to two so you know he- there goes crutch again just tell him keep, keep down, Brian, keep down. So I'll keep down, far, but keep doing what you're doing.
0: Yeah. and I, I just caught a crazy post game press conference right before we started recording. And he like, he even admitted, it. he was like, yeah, there were maybe a couple of other times we, we overpassed a little. And it's like, yeah, there were, and you know, there was the, the, the one in particular where pasta gets it to him and he has a shooting lane, but he tries to get it over to hall instead. And, and, the defender was already shading over to Hall. So it's like they were giving you the shot and, you know, he just, he just didn't take it. And you live with it. He, I think he's gotten better at that over the course of his career of taking shots when they're there. But every now and then that, uh, you know, die hard pass first instinct that he has uh, will, will come back to bite him. And like, you know, to your point, it's like, He's he's awesome, he knows what he's doing. Nine, 95 times out of hundred he's gonna do the right thing. But you know, when he when he does pass on the shot like and it's there, it's it it's frustrating. Um you know, obviously and it's like it's almost a running joke. Like Pasanak even joked about that earlier this season when he he made a comment of like, Well, we know Crazy's not gonna shoot, so someone has to, <laughs> type thing. So um yeah, you know, I think Craig, will probably watch a video on that and be like, yeah, okay. I should have shot that. I, but... I
2: think it should have been fairly obvious, like two seconds after he made the pass. That, oh, wait a minute.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, if and... you watch, yeah, sorry, Bridget. What were you saying?
2: No, no, go ahead. Cause I was going to change the subject. <laughs>
1: um, well, if you watch that play as well, like I, we're all talking about that second period um, play, I think down the other end where he had a chance to shoot in the slot. If you do watch that replay, if he wanted to shoot that puck, he would have had to have done it like right away because as a righty, he got to a point where he turned so much that he wouldn't have much power behind it. It would be kind of a little bit of a flimsy snapshot, if anything. And I think that in his mind, he was like, I'd rather dish this than not get a lot behind a shot. If you watch the replay, you'll, you'll know, you'll see what I'm talking about. His, his body was kind of um, a little too tilted at that point, but I digress. Uh, what, did you want to
2: bring up Bridget? Um, so this was we had, something we mentioned could happen a few podcasts ago. And ever since DeBrusque has been out, we were talking about maybe Taylor Hall could go to the first line, but that it was kind of unconventional and maybe not the best thing to do because he would have to play his offside on the right wing. And he would, you know, he hasn't played. We don't know the last time he's played on the right side because um, you're going to leave March on left, Bergeron center. And so you take him off the third line and he goes up with, um, Marshawn and Bergeron. How do you think he played in that role?
0: I, so I thought it was a, other than that one good drive to the net where, you know, he gets called for goal interference. That was a fairly quiet game for Taylor hall. And I don't know that it's necessarily related to the switch versus just being kind of a quiet game for him in general. Um, there weren't any instances that I noticed of like him looking awkward out there playing right wing, and um, you know, the, and both him and martian said before the game like it was going to be pretty interchangeable. Like, sure, they'll left, they'll line up, Marshan left, Hall right. But then, you know, if someone's higher up on the forecheck and they're on the other side of the ice, they'll just switch. If someone comes back first, you know, they'll just track the play to whatever side of the ice it goes. Like. You know, I think they're both fine with, you know what we're gonna end up where we end up. We don't have to just stay on our wings. so and I think you saw that play out a few times. So I don't think that you know, the move to the right side is why he had a quieter night. I just thought it was you know, kind of obviously, the last couple of games had been really good for him, and this was a little bit more of what we had seen in in the few weeks prior where. You know, you, he's just not quite as involved as you want him to be. Uh,
1: I, I would say that if I'm Jim Montgomery, I I'm gonna give him another opportunity. I, I don't I don't see the harm in allowing them. Uh, it's to take one game and 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 just shut down the option. I think is silly. I think it's stubborn. Uh, because well, on one hand, I, I'm with Scott. I definitely thought that it was a quiet night for Hall. I didn't think that line was all too dangerous, five-on-five. Five. I don't know if the scoring chances backed me up there or high-danger scoring chances, but it, was, it wasn't It was a phenomenal game. If you only had yeah, one the, opportunity... Sorry, Scott. Yep.
0: As a line, they had four scoring chances, one high danger.
1: Okay, yeah. That, that kind of bears out. So if he only had one chance, one opportunity, to seize everything he ever wanted... <laughs> um i don't think he captured it but <laughs> i do i do think that uh
0: all right podcast is over i do
1: i do think, <laughs> I do think they have the. i got the beanie on too so i feel like i'm like, <laughs> but uh i i do think you just give him another chance and see, see what happens I, I don't see why you would rush him off that um now maybe you put him back in the third line or some or down the lineup because you didn't think the third line was great tonight um but i think he'd go with another another game or two with him uh with on that top line
2: yeah and i i you you see Smith go back to the third line and we talked about like, oh, Hall as a, a certain, you know, dynamic um threat on the on the third line, but he hadn't been really performing that way on the third line anyway. So you move them to the top line. I don't know if it's just because I've had a bad week, but I was just excited to see it. As soon as I saw the lineup, I was like, okay, this is great. I'm going to watch this and this is going to be fun. Cause I just, in my mind was like, I have no idea how this is going to look and I just want to see it. So um, one thing that it did, uh, I I did want to point out about the move and how it affected, you know, that line and, and the third line is that throughout the season Hall has always played on a line where two, two guys were centers at at least at some point in their career. And I can't remember the last time Taylor Hall, I've seen Taylor Hall, maybe, maybe once a season. I don't know how many times he's taken a face off this season, but he took one uh, in this game and he doesn't have to on the third line because I coil and Frederick are both guys that have played center. And then when he's playing on the second line, Krejci and Zaka are two guys that can take the uh, face off. So he's always the third option for the face offs and doesn't usually get in at the dot. So it was just kind of funny to see him there.
0: Hall has apparently actually taken eight face offs this season. I can't
2: that's, remember that's another. More,
0: yeah. That's more than I would have guessed.
2: And it's just because like we mentioned, they like, Frederick used to be a center and still at times has played center um for the Bruins this season in in, in recent years. Uh, and then Zaka, obviously, we've talked about how he could be an option an option at center if you lose Bergeron or Krejci because that's how his natural position is as well. So you never see Hall in that role. Maybe that's a problem because Mark, like Marshawn doesn't take many faceoffs either. You are kind of just leaving it to to Bergeron. But um, I just is usually funny.
0: the second guy, though. Yeah, he's the second
2: option. Good. I think, yeah, this must have been a situation where <laughs> both of them got waived or something and it ended up with Hall.
1: I mean, Marshan's usually the second guy, but it's an automatic loss. <laughs> he doesn't really try much on him. He more so just kind of like gets a head start on going behind the center in the chase after it. Um I wanna rescind a take I had the other day. I think it was a little premature, a little unfair of me. Um and Scott kind of agreed with me, so maybe he'll maybe he'll uh, also rescind. Uh Copenin I thought that maybe the first game he was a little overwhelmed because he's definitely settled in the last few games during with his trial stint with the Bruins and and Scott I don't know if you have um how many faceoffs uh, each player won tonight in front of you I don't know if you have I a do. tab like that do you yeah
2: Copenin okay. won 11 uh no Copenin won four lost seven so he's 36 he percent
1: but was to be to, seven, to be
2: fair huh? yeah um to be fair Bergeron was thirty nine percent so he wasn't much better.
1: well, I must have really paid attention to Coen's four faceoff wins because i I thought that the last few games he's been pretty good in the face off circle, but I guess he hasn't but regardless, he's definitely settled in a little bit
0: yeah he's been pretty good on faceoffs in general um tonight aside but yeah i I thought it was another pretty strong game for him and for that line I was you know when we were just talking about the other lines I was looking and that line was the only line that had multiple high danger chances tonight with with all three members on the ice you know i don't know about mixing and matching and stuff um but the other three lines all only had one each and the felino copen and greer line had three so um and it, it kind of felt like that. like they had some good offensive zone shifts i thought uh especially in the second period like um and, and even like early in the third like when there were some lulls in, in the Bruins uh, kind of offensive opportunities, they were able to at least generate some momentum by getting down the offensive zone and, and keeping some possession there. So, um, yeah, Koponen has not looked overwhelmed. And obviously this is a, you know, this is the, probably the biggest test yet facing a team like Tampa and especially that decor, like, um, you know, you want to see how he holds up against that. And I thought he, Thought he more than held his own. So that's, you know, it's a tough situation for Montgomery, right? Because, like, they call up Mark McLaughlin and bring him on this road trip. And presumably, you want to get him in at some point and not have him just, you know, sit for an entire road trip.
2: Just hanging out. But
0: it's like, all right, well, who are you taking out? Because that fourth line continues to perform pretty well. Copanen seems to be getting better with each game. So. You know, you're not going to sit someone when they don't deserve it. So, uh, you know, unfortunately for McLaughlin, I mean, now there's a back-to-back coming up Saturday, Sunday. So maybe if someone's a little nicked up, you know, that's an easy opportunity to get him in there on Sunday or something. But um, otherwise, you know, I think Copeland deserves to stay in. I think Greer's doing enough to stay in. So, you know, maybe you look at at Craig Smith.
1: but That's what I was thinking. Yeah. I was thinking that I I, I think Mick, and this is nothing against Craig Smith, but I wouldn't mind I wouldn't mind McLaughlin on the right side with Frederick and Coyle. I think that could be a good quick heavy line with some puck possession. And and I I do think, um, McLaughlin's first NHL career goal was on a pass by Frederick on a two on one. But I don't know if they played much five on five together. If that was more of a line change type thing, but well, no, it was probably I don't know what I, what, I think what, they were on the
0: same line. Yeah, I think he was can... with them a little bit.
1: I could see, I could see McLaughlin complimenting Frederick and Coyle a little bit better than Smith right now. So, and and again, I, I like Craig Smith as a, as a person, but um, for right now, I just think it, it's a long season. Like, see what you have, see what you have, right? You never know. Yeah, so.
2: And you, you'd rather take a guy out of the lineup that feels relatively secure in the role. Like I know Craig Smith has been scratched at different points of the season, but like if you're coping in and you're just trying to hang on and, and prove yourself, like he's at the point in his career where he, if he does play well, you need to reward him. Um Whereas, you know, it's okay to get Smith a night off if you just want to, you know, use McLaughlin because you have the ability to, to, because you call them up to see him. So yeah, I think Craig Smith would be the most obvious choice to switch McLaughlin in for. And I wanted to comment on coping in because I, agree he does seem to have settled in and it's one of those things where you see a guy get a chance for the first time after playing in the AHL and you're wanting to see whether or not they can adapt to NHL pace, NHL size any like um you know guys that can make moves around you and i thought he his defending and his pressure that he put on was um really good he didn't get beat i can't remember a time that he did at least um against Tampa Bay and he's also taking up time penalty killing which is big and he's not getting beat by guys on the pen when he's penalty killing so um he's definitely earned that spot in the meantime while no sick is out um until he shows a reason like a letdown then you leave him there